Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe is here to support you and to inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. And before we jump in, just a quick promo for the membership community that we've got at Vegan Business Tribe, because If you're a regular listener to this podcast and you are still not a member, then you are just missing out on, gosh, at least 90% of everything that goes on at Vegan Business Tribe. You are missing out on the collaboration and the business opportunities that come out of our community, as well as all the support that you get through our business clinics and networking meetups. But you're also missing out, not just getting access to loads of amazing content, but even the chance to be part of the content, like the Vegan Business Tribe members that you're going to be hearing from in a moment. So if you're looking for more support with your vegan business, and now is the time to get serious about actually building and scaling up your company, then head over to veganbusinesstribe.com and click on the join button on the homepage to find out everything that you get as a member. But don't forget... Being a member, it also means you're supporting this podcast. Your membership, it means that we can keep producing amazing content like the session you're going to hear today. But it also means that Vegan Business Tribe can keep championing the vegan business scene with events like Vegan Business Tribe Live at the London Olympia this year and just everything else we do around the globe. Now, Let's jump straight in because we've got a special extended version of the podcast today where I'm joined by three amazing vegans and they've all done great things to move a vegan cause forwards. But they are also all best-selling authors. And writing a book, it's a brilliant way to prove your authority and your credibility and just to really raise the visibility of your brand if you have a business. But where do you start? Does it still have the same credibility if you self-publish a book yourself? And if so, where do you even start planning out what you're going to write? Well, have no fear, because we cover all of this and much, much more in this panel discussion, including how to become a best-selling author yourself. Now, we also recorded the video version of this session for the website. So if you want to see all our guests in their full glory, and there was quite a bit of book waving going on too, then just head over to the website at veganbusinessdrive.com. So I am joined by three voices that you might already recognize. Mitali Depakatha, Todd Sinclair, and the inimitable Katrina Fox to find out how to write and publish your first vegan book. Well, hello and welcome to a panel session that I'm actually quite excited about chairing because today not only am I joined by three amazing ethical vegans who have all done amazing things in their own areas to move a vegan course forwards, but each is also a published 
author in their own right. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. How writing a book can raise your own personal profile. It can help make you into an expert in your field. It can move your business forwards, but it can also help move a vegan cause forwards as well. So as a quick introduction to our three authors and experts today, I'm first joined by Todd Sinclair, who is the author of the Rebel Vegan series of three books, which covers everything from living vegan, traveling vegan, and eating vegan. We're also joined by Matali Depakatha as well, who is the author of The Freedom Master Plan, which teaches readers how to write a book in order to become a thought leader in their industry. And then finally, we're joined by the one and only Katrina Fox, who is the author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And can I just say what an amazing breadth of experience we've got on this panel today. I can feel it just coming out at me from the screen. So let's get straight into this. And I'm going to start with Todd first. If that's okay, Todd, uh, because for you, just writing one book that wasn't enough. You, uh, <laughs> you've expanded this into the whole Rebel Vegan series. So, can I just start with a question about your motivation for writing that first book, Rebel Vegan Life? Was it an attempt just to make your fortune? Uh, no, not at all. Um, uh, and I would recommend anybody uh, starting on this journey not to do three books at once. That that uh, that's not recommended. Somehow that happened with me. If you think. Uh, I, you know, a life changed dramatically when COVID hit two years ago and I had my life kind of pre COVID and, um, and after, and, and during COVID, I had to kind of reinvent myself. I'd run a travel business. So obviously that wasn't going to come back anytime quickly. I realized that quite soon as the dust settled and I had to kind of think about what do I want to do in this next chapter in my life? Let's be really thoughtful and focused. And I thought I want to really do something that makes a difference and takes my passion. So I have, uh, you know, veganism and travel were at the fore of that. And I thought, is there a way of doing that? And I looked at maybe a podcast, publishing, um, and realized that, first of all, I love being creative. I wanted to take my passions and create something to put out into the world that will hopefully have a positive impact and make a difference. So that was kind of my motivation. And I had to, um, you know, land on my feet and, and lockdown gave me a great uh, opportunity to really focus and do these deep dives and the research that was required and to study how to how to publish. Um, and and that's that's how I started, basically, during this strange time of lockdown. Absolutely. COVID. Can I just follow up on that question as well? So did you ever think about approaching a publisher or did you know you were always going to publish these books yourself direct to the readers? Um, I started, um, I actually took a publishing course online and I spent a couple thousand pounds. And, and to be honest, it was money well spent. Some of the course I found more useful than other bits, but I decided very much, let's learn how this works and take the course and go through, you know, how to do customer research, how to do outlines properly, how to do all the, the you know, the basics and kind of the, uh, to create and produce a really high quality uh, book. So uh, no, I decided to uh, go for self-publishing and see where it takes me. Um, and then, like I say, it was one book and I had one kind of book that I separated into two or because uh, I, when I did my deep dive in my research, I realized there's so much there if I was going to do it justice and do it to the standard I wanted to do it. And then uh, my travel book was always, you know, inside me just bursting to get out my vegan travel book because I'd been on the road for so long you know, um, spreading vegan values and veganizing parts of Southeast Asia. So to be able to put that in a book was incredible um, and kept me focused through the lockdowns. 
Absolutely amazing. And Matali, can I come to you uh, pretty much with the same question? So The Freedom Master Plan, it's actually a book about how to become an author. So what made you want to write that in the Great first book. place? I have oh, your book, Matali. You. Right <laughs> Mine's there. on my Kindle. Very, I read it on the Kindle. So. Wonderful book. <laughs> the checks in the post, guys. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my, oh gosh, I've got several motivations, to be honest. So I, the reason why I was motivated was I was moving away from ghostwriting and copywriting, um, doing it for people, to moving it towards showing people how to do it. However, I have NDAs in place for all of the, the books I've written. So I can't even say, oh, go and look at these amazing books on Amazon. I wrote them because, you know, I'd be sued. Um, so I just kind of thought, well, how, where is my credibility going to be? You know, I can say, hey, I'm a book consultant. I'm a book publisher. Last time I checked, there's no, it's not like being a doctor where you just can't go around saying you're a doctor unless, you know, you have licenses, you've studied for a certain amount of time. Anybody can say they're a book publisher. Anybody can say they're a book consultant. So for me, the motivation was I needed to have credibility. I needed authority in that industry. And for people to look at me and say, OK, she knows what she's talking about. So that was really my motivation for writing uh, my book. The other motivation, so that's a selfish motivation. The selfless motivation was that as a copywriter and a ghostwriter, I've written most things, uh, you know, sales-led things. So landing pages, books, of course, uh, email marketing. I've written all kinds of things for different businesses. And the piece of content that made the biggest difference to my clients was the book, which I used to I was amazed with that I used I assumed it was sales pages because I thought that's the content with the big old buy button so surely that's the one that makes the biggest difference to uh, a business but it isn't it's a book because of the raised authority and credibility that a book gives you so I realized if I wanted to help coaches and consultants and mentors the piece of content that makes the biggest difference is going to be the book so I specialized in that. Absolutely. And that brings us quite nicely into Katrina's motivation as well, because Katrina, you've actually got a background in PR and journalism. So I'm expecting that writing, it's just always been in your blood, as it were. But what specifically was your motivation for writing Vegan Ventures? You know, it's quite funny because like Mitali's going to cringe because I've read your book and it's fabulous because it's all about having a strategy and leveraging your book. I've done totally the opposite. I should say, look, I have <laughs> co-written books uh, other books in different areas so back in the 90s we self-pub my partner and I self-published a book in a different arena that was before print on demand then we edited two anthologies which were both through mainstream publishers Routledge Taylor Francis uh, Wiley um, and then with Vegan Ventures um, I self-published with print on demand but look I would love to say that I had a real strategy behind it but really mine was I, I've got a background in journalism and um, basically in around 20 14 I was thinking oh you know what else can I do you know the media industry was kind of changing a lot and I started hanging around with entrepreneurs you know going to a lot of I'm sure Natalie's we've probably been to a lot of the same kind of gurus you know about business and entrepreneurialism and some of them are asking me you know when they found out I was a journalist they're like oh how do I write a press release and I was thinking well, how do they not know that and then it's like oh no I don't suppose they would um 
but basically my I I was enjoying it so I was kind of consulting doing a bit but I, I don't know it wasn't hitting my sweet spot and then my friend Melissa who's a good friend and a coach said to me well who would you want to serve you know like really in your heart of hearts I said oh vegan business owners and she said oh that's a little bit might be a bit too niche remember this was 2014 it hadn't quite got it was just on the cusp of becoming cool and trendy um and um she said you know why don't you expand it to say ethical entrepreneurs and I said no no it's the vegans and um, anyway, it was one of these literally three o'clock in the morning. I woke up and I thought I could write a book on how to start and grow a vegan business. And I could interview lots of vegan entrepreneurs from across the globe. And then I went back to sleep. I was still very excited. And then when I got up in the morning, I thought, oh, the Americans will have done that. Somebody will already have done it. And I looked and I looked and I thought, gosh, they haven't. I thought, well, that's a sign. You know, there's a saying, you know, if you can't find the book you you want, you're meant to write it kind of thing. So I basically decided then and there, this is what I'm going to do. So I Whereas, because I, I know you and Lisa have got a book coming, David, on you know, about vegan business, and you're both vegan experts, and now you're going to write a book to kind of showcase that. I'm the opposite, and this might be helpful for anyone who's planning to write a book. My background was journalism. You know, I was writing op-eds, articles, features, you know, for mainstream and niche media. I was writing articles, you know, in mainstream media about, you know, all kinds of issues. And, um, but then when I brought the book out in 2015 I spent a year writing getting it all together and we can go into that as as you you know we go through this but when it came came out that actually made me an expert so I'd interviewed more than 60 vegan entrepreneurs because I you know even though my partner and I we had run a business together when we came to Australia from the UK we actually ran a vegan hair and beauty salon for a few years to get our visa and my partner Tracy has a background in running her own business but I wasn't you know what I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't say I was a business expert by any means but because I did so many interviews and I immersed myself into entrepreneurialism and running a business when the book came out it actually positioned me as the expert so I think there's two ways of doing it you can be like Mitali who's an expert and you David and Lisa who are experts who will then write a book to showcase their expertise but also you can um become the expert by writing a book I think there's there's kind of two ways to go in it so yeah that was my motivation it was purely intuition I had no strategy I just thought this is what I'm meant to do and I need to do it and I yeah <laughs> and that is an absolutely brilliant point to make Katrina and, and so if I can just stay with you for the second question as well in that case because I, I want to expand on that and dive into that a little bit deeper um, because talking about the outcome of creating a book so did it actually open the doors that you were wanting it to open or has there been other outcomes from writing the book that you didn't foresee yeah it's an interesting one look as I say I would love to say that I had some kind of strategy and outcomes and I didn't like I literally didn't know where it would go or what it would lead to I just thought this is what I've got to do and for a whole year you know because there was a, I'll talk about the process when you ask about it but it was a quite a full-on process because I had so many moving pieces so many people involved but my my out I didn't really have any outcome I did have the foresight to put an ad in the back that you know I do PR consultations but I did at least have that but what it did for sure it absolutely opened doors um I mean you know I was asked to speak at various events run workshops you know across the globe um in 2017 I was flown to the UK by Bedgefest UK um to do a whole like a host a whole day um for be at the first ever vegan trade show at Bedgefest UK at Olympia um so there was lots of you know quite exciting things and and also I think I mean the vegan scene it can be a little bit cliquey but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in some ways like particularly the vegan business scene um 
sometimes, you know, when people have been around for a while and they know each other, they can be a little bit wary. Like you kind of got to prove yourself. And I think that's not a bad thing because as we've seen now that veganism is getting very popular, a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon. Some are absolutely very genuine, but some are just like, oh, this is the latest trend. They come in and if they can't make money in six months, they're gone. Um, so I think people maybe were a bit wary of that. But when they saw, oh, OK, you know, Katrina Fox, she's like, you know, some people knew me. Not everybody did you know by any means and so they start to go oh okay she's done this oh she seems serious oh okay and then they start to invite you oh would you like to take part in the summit would you like to come and speak at this and you sort of you know get into that group and then also I would say it probably helped um I got myself a Forbes column in 2017 I wrote for a year for Forbes on vegan and plant-based business I think being able to say I'm the author of vegan ventures there's a, a magazine here a trade publication in Australia that constantly the journal there constantly gets in touch with me saying can you give me some comments on the developments of plant-based meat dairy? I think literally this year, and we're only in February, I've given him comments for like three articles already. So Amazing. it's definitely absolutely leverages you. So it definitely did that. It raised my profile. It kind of got me in front of, I guess, my ideal clients. I don't think I've leveraged. I'll be putting, I know that's maybe something we'll talk about later about what advice we would give, but, but it certainly managed, it certainly opened doors that I didn't expect. That was very exciting, really kind of connected with people and just being part of a growing vegan movement, you know, particularly in the vegan business space has been incredibly exciting. Absolutely. So many good points in there, Katrina, as well. So can I just bring that same question to Matali as well? Because Matali, I know that you've actually talked a lot about what Katrina was just saying, you know, how becoming a published author can really open doors for you. But you actually put this to the test last year when you set yourself a challenge to get on 100 podcasts to promote your publishing business. So how did being able to present yourself as an author help with that challenge? Oh, gosh, it's, well, I failed. I managed to get to 78. I bought 78 in, well, it wasn't even a year. I started in May, so I'd already lost, you know, four months. That is still an amazing achievement. I know, I know. But I, I really do say it's, it's, I mean, I'd love to say it's because of my wonderful personality, but I really do think it's the book. Um, I mean, the first culture podcast I did were friends, people that I've known from networking. So I was always going to get a yes from them. But everybody else, they didn't know me. And I think one of the biggest things when people are wanting to get on a podcast, especially as a business owner, you're kind of thinking from your shoes. You're not thinking from the host's point of view. Like the host isn't just, they're not, they don't just have a podcast show for their health. That's not why they're doing it. They've got motivations. You know, they want to reach a bigger audience. They want to establish credibility and authority. They want to make more money in their business or if they have a non-for-profit or there's something else going on there. People don't just have a podcast just because they decided to have a podcast one day, unless they're born with a silver spoon in their mouth. So you've got to have to think from the host point of view. And the host, if they're going to bring guests onto the show, they need to make sure that that person is professional. They know what they're talking about. They're engaging. They're not going to freeze up on camera. They're going to know those things. And when you present yourself as an author, it's pretty much a case of tick, 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 tick. It's like, okay, this person is an expert. They've written a book on it. They're not just some Facebook guru saying that they know something about whatever. They actually know what they're talking about. If they've launched a book, that means they, they're comfortable talking to groups of people because you have to do that as an author. It's just like a, a kind of shortcut in a whole brain that just goes, well, they must be good. I'll just take a, you know, I'll take a, a gamble and I'll just say yes to them. So I think that's why I got so many yeses. And then it's now snowball because now I've been on so many shows now I don't even have to lead with the fact that I'm author. It's not like I've already been on so many shows. So they're like, yeah, again, straight away, tick, tick, tick. 
Absolutely fantastic. And Todd, can I ask you the same question? So has writing the Rebel Vegan books opened any doors? And if so, were they the, the doors that you were expecting to open? Well, it is very new to me and I'm learning a lot just, uh, uh, and I love that challenge, uh, Metalia, uh, 100 podcasts. I'm also at that stage where I've just really launched the books uh, in the last several months. The first one came out on November 1st for uh, World Vegan Day. And uh, the last one was January 1st for January. So even though I developed them and spent at least a year creating them, producing them, that was kind of, I'm still in that very much that initial launch stage. So, um, and, and your challenge, Natalia, I'm going to, I might take that on board. I'm, I'm, I'm now promoting and trying to get into lots of podcasts and this, it's a, a huge learning curve and really fascinating. And I'm getting to meet incredible people. Um, and I think uh, right now, you know, just the fact that I have these three books out and I, I now need to establish them, obviously, in different book promo sites, um, things like podcasts, people are coming to me. So that's a door is opening right now as I'm getting uh, emails or messenger messages uh, from people asking, you know, more about the books and more about me and kind of establishing myself and the brand itself or, or the books. So they, um, you know, because I'm, I'm worked hard at them and I'm proud of them and I need to kind of give them a life and nurture them. So that's what I'm, I'm going through right now. And I eventually I have other things projected in the future. I hope to develop a, a podcast around it. Well, I have this idea about vegan coming out stories because I think we all have really fascinating stories and I've come out in lots of different ways uh, through my life. So, um, Me too. Uh, yeah, so I'd love to have you on it, Katrina. That would be incredible. So, um, and just developing and establishing. So doors opening, yes, I can see it changing. I'm becoming much more, and like you say, I'm, I'm almost establishing my own credibility by doing that research, producing these books. Um, you know, it's a bit of fake it till you make it, uh, but it's also really important to believe in yourself that, you know, you do have a unique perspective and voice in this. And that started to open doors and get me out there and the uh, vegan community and, and uh, to find my place, I suppose. So I'm still very much in transition and, and seeing what comes my way. And that is the sweet spot of marketing. When you've got people approaching you instead of you having to go and you know, chase yes. all those people to get promotion, that, that really is when the magic starts to happen. I, I'm so, chasing people as well. But yes, it's wonderful <laughs> when people get in touch with me. So anybody out there, do send me a message. I'm available. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. And, and, and I would definitely listen to that podcast as well. That is an amazing <laughs> idea. So let's take a look at how to actually get started then. And I'm going to come to Matali first with this question because that's what your company, Let's Tell Your Story, actually does. It helps ethical and vegan entrepreneurs become authors. So if somebody is following along with this panel today and they can see the benefits of becoming an author, but they don't even know what they could write about, then where does somebody start? Uh, ask, ask your audience. <laughs> that is That was the biggest lesson for me when I was writing The Freedom Mass Bank. You have to remember, coming from a, a copywriting, ghostwriting background, you have one person, you know, your client, and you rely on your client to tell you what their audience is, what their product is or service is. And they are your one source of information. And then you create whatever it is that they need you to create, whether that's a book or a landing page or a sales page or a sequence of emails, whatever it is. And then suddenly I'm writing this book and there was no client. I am the client. And I had to research the market. And my book actually did take a, a massive left turn I was going to write a book about how to write a book I know very meta but that's what the Freedom Mass Plan was going to be about it wasn't even going to be called the Freedom Mass Plan but then when I researched my target market 
So I started interviewing a lots of coaches and consultants and mentors. Uh, and I started saying, well, you know, if you were to write a book, what would you want to know about how to write a book? And the answers kept coming back. Well, I'm not even sure if I want to write a book. I'm not sure what I would do with a book. And that's when the light bulb went off. I thought, oh, my God, imagine if I didn't ask and just created that book. That book would have been a dud because a book about how to write a book, that's assuming the average coach, consultant, entrepreneur is aware of what a book can do for them. And they've already taken, they want to take that next step. However, there's a whole group of people who would love the idea of writing a book because who wants, who doesn't want to say they're an author of such and such book. However, they don't, they're not aware of how to leverage the book. They're not aware of exactly what return on investment they're going to get from all the time, effort and money spent on a book. And that's when I thought, that's what my book needs to be about. So if you don't have a clue what your book should be about, you're lucky because I've I've had to talk out. Some of my students come to me with this very formed ideas of what their book should be. And I go, okay, hold your horses. Let's actually do some research with your marketers. And then they'll go away for a week. They'll come back and they'll go, oh. Uh, they've given me a company but I really like my idea and I'm like uh, no 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 this this isn't a book about you if you want to write a book for you absolutely that's fine you go away and do that but that's not not what I'm that's not the kind of book consultant I am I'm the sort of person who helps you write a book so you can make more money in your business and as a vegan or ethical entrepreneur you make an even bigger impact so if you just want to write a book for your health you go away and do that but that's not what I'm for so yeah as if you don't know what to write back, you're actually lucky because that means you don't have any preconceived ideas that you're married to. You can actually find out from your audience what they want and then deliver it to them. Absolutely brilliant advice. And let, so let's keep that conversation going with uh, Todd as well. So Todd, can I ask how you first started? So, um, you know, what was the very first thing you did? Did you just jump in with a blank page and a vague idea or did you go through a more structured process similar to what Matali is talking about? Yes, I mean, I, um, it is very much about research and getting in there and finding uh, where there is, where, you know, because say within veganism, I knew that I, I wanted to do travel and I, I love the idea of writing books, but I didn't want to be too specific. I wanted to make sure that there was a, 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 a sort of a, a sweet spot or people wanting those books. I had to do customer research and that involved downloading apps like Katie Spy and, and looking at, you know, competition and demand looking at the figures, looking at the numbers, because it is a business ultimately as well. You know, it's uh, even though it's a bit of a passion project and it's close to my heart, I still, you know, I want to reestablish myself. And this is me kind of uh, finding, hopefully, um, my my new career and my new way forward. So I had to be um, strategic about that. And like I say, I joined a course and I did that very much within the, you know, the vegan niche is becoming much more crowded uh, as such. And so a niche within a niche a niching down and finding those little spots within veganism that I think uh, there still needs to be something, there's still an audience, there's still people who want to uh, read about that. And I looked at, say, for instance, the vegan travel or whatever. I wanted to say, what's out there? What's the competition? How, uh, you know, do I have something special and unique to bring? And I needed to know that first and kind of have an idea of my avatar, how I was going to position it and market it. And finding my voice, I think that was it, a big thing, was, okay, I've never done this before. You know, I've, I, I have written for um, magazines and I've done some writing, but not this big undertaking. So I had to really think, okay, what's unique about uh, what I have to say? What's my story that I'm bringing to it, my angle? 
So that was really, a, I had to thrash that out and, and do a lot, a lot of research. And that involves some software, like I say, um, on Amazon, uh, looking at all the figures that aren't necessarily on the page unless you have that software with the help of my course and finding my, my place within this, within this niche. Uh, so hopefully it has, um, you know, some legs and I, I have, uh, and also developing my voice. I think that's the big thing. And can I just follow up on one of the points you made there um, about the actual writing process? So did you have help editing these books? You know, did, did you actually yes. go through lots, lots of revisions? I'm, I'm just interested in what process. Many, you many, many. And I kind of found my way. But definitely, I mean, I would recommend that. Don't ever think you can self-edit or you have that perspective. No, no, no. <laughs> if anything, my last book, I got more editors. I had one at the start. I had two on a book by the end. And you needed that critical analysis. And I needed to be able to not be precious about this. And that's really hard. If you know you spent days and uh, weeks or whatever writing something and, and getting up in the middle of the night and rewriting it because you just had an idea. And then for somebody to say, hey, actually, this doesn't work or this needs to go or be uh, changed and not to be really precious to hold on to it. So that was a learning. I mean, this this whole process beyond learning about publishing and writing and de developing uh, an outline and then writing it was about a journey about learning about some of my strengths and weaknesses and things i have to develop so it's really that's been the most rewarding and incredible journey right there so definitely editors uh, different types of editor copy editor developmental editor i had in the end uh, a copy editor um, all of those things are so important absolutely Absol absolutely it is and katrina so you've already said that you were the first person to write a book about vegan business and i think it still stands out as the best years later as well so how much planning did you actually do with the book before you started uh well once i got the idea once i decided right i'm going to do this um a lot because i knew i was going to interview and it's not a book of interviews like it's a proper book where i just weave you know, comments from quotes from people through it. But I knew I wanted to interview at least 50 vegan entrepreneurs. I ended up interviewing more than 60. So basically what I did was I created an outline. So bearing in mind, my background is journalism. So I think that was an advantage in that, you know, you could kind of see it as a very, very, very long article. But it was a case of, okay, right, I'm going to break it down into chapters. What are the things that uh, I need to cover? You know, like your why, um, you know, uh, relationships, collaborations, um, PR, social media, uh, you know, fun, like, you know, I decided what the key chapters were. Then within those chapters, I decided, uh, you know, what I would cover, like which particular sections I would cover. Um, so I had a, a kind of skeleton outline. Then I created a whole list of questions for my entrepreneurs. I also created a separate list of questions for experts because I had some other experts who I wanted to interview. Um, and then I conducted loads of interviews. I'd say about half of them were done by email, which was handy. And the other half were done either by, at the time, it was, I think Zoom wasn't really as popular. I think it was Skype and, um, and phone. So then, and then I paid to have those transcribed because there weren't things like Rev and all that. So I paid, I think on five, you know, people on Fiverr and all these places to, to transcribe the, the interviews. And then I would, and I went analog, like I know you can do things digitally now, but I basically sat, we've got a king size bed. So I basically commented the bed and I just had like I printed out all the interviews terribly bad for the environment I know it sounds awful now and I was highlighting relevant bits and I was writing which where they might go and so I had a whole like thing going lots of late nights you know three o'clock in the morning stuff um weekends you know sacrificed a lot of social 
you know, times and, and what have you. But basically that, and then I just started to kind of, yeah, then I went onto my screen and then I would be like copying and pasting into the Word document. Um, and then it was a case of, as both Matali and Todd have said, just kind of revising, uh, moving things around. Because it's always, it's always easier to, and I'd recommend like if people are writing, get something on the page to so do some kind of skeleton outline, just get some words on the page rather than looking at a blank screen, because then you'll procrastinate and all of that stuff can come in. But when you've actually got some, it's much easier to edit than it is, I think, to write. And I say that, and I think you know, I can see Mitali nodding, you know, as a writer, it's much easier to edit. So getting it all in, um, and I would typically do it kind of, you know, in, in terms of chat, and I'd go, right, today I'm going to edit this chapter it went through several revisions, external edit, you know, loads of proofreadings. And then, of course, when it's designed and laid out and typeset, then you've got to order the, the print copy and you, you know, you've got to look at. But even before that, and this is for anyone who is going to do a book where they're interviewing a lot of people, um, I also sent people, every one of them, all 60 vegan entrepreneurs, their quotes in context, asked them to make any last changes for approve. And then I sent out, and this was a whole project in itself, legal documents to every one of them, basically saying you agree, um, you know, for their quotes to appear in the book and anywhere else that I want them to, basically. So it was one of these catch all, you agree not to sue me, I can do what I like with your comments and quotes, you know, for online, offline, in perpetuity, um, you know, PR and marketing, etc. So chasing those, getting those signed was like a whole project in and of itself. So that's just a little tip for anyone who's planning to do that maybe you don't need to interview 60 entrepreneurs for your project maybe just have a handful um but yeah it was a big project so that's why I say for a, a year and I'd given myself a year I gave myself a deadline uh, you know it, this is when it was published so it was pretty full-on but the planning is super important yeah and you now own those people's souls so <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. So let's move on to the next question then, because I mean, we're getting so much good information here. But let's assume that you finally got a book manuscript that you're happy with, and you've got it all signed off, you, you've got all your legals in place, and you've had it proofread over and over again. But how do you actually make that into a book? Because you can't just send somebody a Word file if, if they make a, um, a payment and, and, and buy your book. You know, there are lots of different formats for books, not in just terms of size, but most of us probably read now books on our tablets or our Kindles. So, Todd, let me come to you first on this one, because I, I think you've probably had a lot of practice of this now. But how, how do you actually go from having your manuscript to actually having a book sat there on, on a shelf, or probably more likely now, sat there on Amazon? Well, what I had to realize is that um, I got so involved in the writing process that and and I had to kind of let it go a bit and hand it over to people like uh, a format, uh, an editor, first of all, proofreaders, uh, outsourcing, developing a team that took I, I realized I was juggling, you know, you're spinning a lot of plates there because you really do. You know, I, I I'm, I'm also a publisher, I'm a self publisher, so I have to learn so many things, but I can't do it all. So even though I, you know, I wanted to kind of have my hand in all of it, I had to kind of, okay, I'm going to need various people. I had a whole team. At one stage, I spent a lot of time on Zoom kind of interviewing, developing a team, and that could be a book cover designer, um, a formatter, like you say. So to take this manuscript, the editor's working with it. You're working, I was working very closely with the editor, and then I needed someone to format it and to have that standard so on the page, and I had photographs, and I had illustrations, and graphs, and all these other things that were going in the book. It was very complicated, and I realized very quickly that I couldn't do all those things, you know, that I couldn't learn all those things at least fast enough, that's for sure. 
So I looked at places like Upwork and Readsy and various um, online places where I could put in a job advert and outsource this and find the best person. And then I had to, you know, get interview questions, find the people who kind of had my vision and, and kind of understood what I was about and I could take on my team. And so building that team, that took a lot of, I'm not going to lie, a lot of energy and a lot of time because you want people who are, you know, you connect with and you can work well with. And, you know, there's some hit and miss and some people didn't work out and I had to ultimately fire them. And I've never done that before in my life. So it's just, you know, all these things were coming to the fore. Um, and it was a fascinating, um, interesting thing, though. So definitely afterwards, getting it to book form uh, was really a collaborative thing for me anyway. I knew that I needed a lot of other expertise. And can I just ask on that one, Tom? So is your book just a digital book or can you get printed copies as well? Yes, I decided to do it all. And I always say, you know, why leave any kind of money on the table? So I have the ebook, um, which I promote in a very specific way. And then also the hardback with Ingram Sparks. I did the uh, softback and hardback versions. And then also audiobooks. So um, that's something I want to learn to do myself and to narrate. But at this stage, I, I recruited on ACX uh, narrators and I got a production team and two narrators to kind of take it in turns to do the audiobook. So that's a whole nother, you know, format there. So basically four different formats uh, for each book. So with a lot, you're juggling, like I say, even more than when you think of all the formats and the different people you need to engage with and also to motivate and keep them, you know, keep this project on the go. Absolutely. And Katrina, if I can come to you with a, a, a similar question there, because one of the things that really makes your book stand out is the cover. You know, it looks like a business book. There's a really great, you know, photo of you on the front. So uh, it looks it's like a very a airbrushed that... photo. <laughs> well... on the front. I know there's going to be people watching this video going, what? <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that at all. But it looks like a lot of effort went into that book. So I'd be interested just to know about that process of going from your, 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 your um, you know, final manuscript to actually having a book that people could buy. Yeah. So I knew that if I was going to put a book, yeah, being a writer, like, and I've been an editor, I've edited, you know, a magazine and stuff, and I'd written books before, been commissioned, and, you know, like, we've been paid advances by mainstream publishers, you know, to write books, so I knew that, you know, you're, when you're putting it out there like that, I think you're putting your reputation, you're putting yourself on the line. So I was really anal about it. Um, but I was actually quite lucky. I actually hired Robin Ridley, who is both a vegan graphic designer and a typesetter. It's quite rare sometimes. I think sometimes you can get people who really can do both and do both very well. So I did a deal with her. I gave her an advert in the back of the book. So I did get a slight discount on the fees. Um um, but I spent the money. And I think that's important. If you're going to do a particular, well, any kind of book, obviously, it's more expensive to do a paperback book because of the printing and everything. Um, I was quite lucky. I just won an, an award. Um, I wrote an article for the ABC, which is a national broadcaster here on speciesism of all things. And Voiceless, this animal protection organization, were giving these awards out. And I won that year. And it came with $5,000 cash prize. It was like perfect. It was like the universe was saying, go on, do it. So I was able to invest in Robin because, and I get it. And look, I've used up work and five, you know, like I say, I use them for the transcription and, and various stuff. But I think for the for this particular book, I really wanted someone who kind of got it and who was in detailed um, themselves. So I worked with Robin and she was great. You know, we went through a few kind of iterations and um yeah, I I I I'm very happy, but I wanted it. To, you've also got it like it's a business book, but if you'll notice, look at the colours, red and gold. You know, anyone who knows me knows I love my bling. I love my sparkles. But even though it was a business book, I wanted that bit of, you know, 
goal, that bit of little bit of bling, because, you know, just because it's a business book or you're a business person doesn't mean you have to be boring. Um, so, yeah. And then, of course, and you'll notice from mine as well, like I, I manage, I'm good friends with Phil Wallen, Philip Wallen, and he's the former vice president of Citibank. So I got a quote from him and you'll see I've put that on the front cover. So there's little things like that you can do as well, depending on the type of book that you're you're writing that can just add that extra credibility as well. So, yeah. So thank you for saying that. But, yeah, it was a lot of work, but I was very happy to invest in you know a really outstanding vegan uh, cover designer and typesetter to really make sure that um it, it yeah it, it was the best it could be and it shows fantastic and, you know, yeah absolutely and it, it, it was really working can i can i just say yeah david uh, i wish i would have found you earlier because like i say and and we mentioned this a couple of times um i wish i would have found vegan business tribe sooner because there's so many great professionals there so originally when i started this uh journey I went to places like Upwork and I tried to explain the project and I was looking for as much as I could, you know, uh, vegan uh, people who understood veganism obviously want to be part of this project. And then luckily I was introduced to you guys. And since then I've used several professionals from, uh, from, from within your pool of incredibly talented people, uh, a copywriter, an editor. I wish I would go back and I might go back and get one of your amazing um, book cover designers or, or, or uh, to actually rethink the covers. So things like that, to find your tribe, to find your community is really helpful to then develop and create the books as well. So it's a great place to be. Yeah, Todd, that's something we always say, you know, uh, I mean, one of the pieces of advice we say a lot in Vegan Business Tribe is that you should never start a business, you should launch a mission. Because mm. when you do that, yes. people get on board with that mission and they want to help it happen. You know, it, you know, even if you happen to be paying those people, they're just really buying into it. But let's let's actually go to one of those professionals now. So, let's, um, Mitali, I know this is something that you actually make really easy for your clients. And I suspect that you do probably a lot of this work for them. So I'd be interested just to know what your process is for, for for getting a book from a word file to a listing sat there on Amazon? Um, it takes a lot of, um, I'm going to use Katrina's words, anal professionals, which I love. There's nothing wrong with anal professionals because I, I need them in my life. I'm the opposite personality type, a very big sky, you know, blue sky thinking, strategic kind of person. And there is that saying, you know, the devil's in the detail. The devil always has it in for me because I'm not a detail oriented person which is why the whole premise of my publishing company is it's the best of both worlds. So you self-publish and Todd has self-published for a very good reason. It means that he has control over his books. If you had gone to a publisher, I mean, there's some wonderful publishers out there. There's some terrible publishers out there and everything in between. And I've heard some horror stories of authors who've got books out there with their names on them and yet they're not proud of their books their book isn't what they wanted to publish but it was out of their hands when you go to a traditional publisher they ultimately control the book and they own the book for usually three to five years in the non-fiction world so that means with for the first three to five years you could request a change or you could request a new chapter or a new cover or whatever it is that you want but they can easily just say no and they ultimately own it when you're self-published you have complete control of your book and you can do whatever you want with it but the downside of self-publishing is as Todd explained you know trying to find those people um I've used this analogy before you know a book consultant doesn't actually need to have any qualifications to set themselves up as a book consultant. It's the same thing with editors. It's the same with graphic designers. Any idiot can go on five and say, oh, I'm a cover designer now. 
you know, and they just they messed around with Canva for a few years and there you go. And they're now a designer. So there's a lot of people out there who you can trust and they will let you down. And the whole point of my company is I've done all that testing. And I now have a wonderful team with the help of people from Vegan Business Tribe as well, I must say. So I've certainly been, you know, finding awesome professionals within VBT. And I now have a completely vegan team of editors, designers, typesetters. So you don't have to think about that. You don't have to go through what Todd went through. It's just sort of like, just let my team handle it. And they'll they'll take it from Word document or Google document all the way through to um, ebook, and I, I'm 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 glad that Todd said. I'm glad that you said that. You know, you wanted to do it as a tangible book as well. Um, I think it's really important. I insist that all my students do tangible books for different reasons. To Todd, it's not so much the reach; it's more the authority and the credibility. You have to remember, there's so many people now just whacking up 50 page ebooks on Amazon. They're like, "Oh, I'm an author." No, you're not. Anybody can do that. So. If you just have an ebook, even though the book might be fantastic, to some people, they're just going to think, oh, it's one of those free PDF lead magnety things. Whereas if they see that there's a tangible book offered along with the ebook, straight away, it's like that shortcut to the brain that goes, okay, proper author, there's a real book here. And I've checked my sales, more than 90% of my sales are Kindle, so they're not even the tangible book. They just sit there giving credibility. Oh, and a new thing, I don't know if you guys know, Amazon has started now doing hardback covers. So I'm going to do my first hardback cover in the next couple of weeks. I'm quite excited. Um, That's all exciting stuff. Um, I've done a hardback and it it looks great, by the way. Right here, a little hardback book. Oh, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful to see. That was exciting, actually. Absolutely. David, can I quickly add something about the Amazon and stuff? Because obviously everyone, you want your book on Amazon, but um, I also use Ingram Spark. And the, one of the reasons I do that is, for example, like I'm in Sydney. So in 2015, um, I did my UK book launch in uh, at Bedfest UK. And what I was able to do is go online because Ingram Spark have got a US office, an Australian office and a UK office. And I could order 200 books online, be delivered to my friend's house in London where I'd be staying. Um, and then again, if I'm in Sydney and I'm going to do a festival and I need some books, you can just go online because it's print on demand. And I find that was a lot better than trying to use Amazon for something like that. So and you can do both. So you can use Amazon and upload your book and then you can and uh, use Ingram Spark for like bookshops. So sometimes a bookshop um, like, you know, will want to like buy, I think Barnes and Noble I've stopped mine and they can go to Ingram Spark because they prefer to because they see Amazon as a competitor. So they don't want to go to Amazon and all the bookstores. So that's just something to think about. And I'm sure yeah, obviously Mitali teaches that to her students, but that's just something to be aware of as well. That, that is a really good point. And, and Mitali, could, could I actually just round up on that one as well? Because, I mean, this is a concept now, isn't it? It used to be if you wanted a book uh, printed, you had to go buy 5,000 copies. But now you, you pretty much can just get a single copy, can't you? Oh, yeah. And that's why I love Ingram Spark and Amazon. What my students do is we upload to Amazon for each, whether you love them or hate them, you can't deny them. They are huge. If you add up all the other book retailers in the world, they're still dwarfed by just Amazon by themselves. So you can't deny that being on Amazon, if you're not on Amazon, you're just missing out massively. But then you're also allowed to upload your book to Ingram Spark. And and like Katrina says, uh, bookstores, the owners will always go to Ingram Spark to order their books. They will never order books from Amazon. So it just gives you that reach. So yeah, um, and it's it's wonderful because, uh, you know, 
back when you had to go to a printer and you had minimum orders, it's like you're sinking money in. You're sinking money into an asset. You're hoping you can then sell them for a profit. You don't know how long you're gonna. It's gonna take. You're also um, taking on risk. I, I've heard horror stories from authors who stored five thousand books in their garage and then it got flooded, and then all that money's gone. You know, wasn't covered by the home insurance, and you don't have any of that. You can order one copy, ten copies, a hundred copies, whatever you want um, from Ingram Spark and Amazon. Although Amazon is a little bit. England Spark is better, I've noticed. With Amazon, they do author copies, but they can take two to three weeks to send out. So if you've not been organized, you need to get a load of books to somebody, it's better to go through Ingram Spark. But yeah, it's brilliant. Print on demand is fantastic. What's really interesting is there are now printing companies who have started to get on the trend. I'm, I'm actually speaking to a company based in London next week. Who do who are just printers? They're not they're not Ingram Spark and they're not Amazon. They're not book retailers of any sort, and yet they've now started doing print on demand, and they're vegan as well, um, which is really really exciting. So I'm going to be speaking to them. So I think these printers are now getting on board, and they're realizing they have to support authors. Expecting a minimum order of a hundred or five hundred is just it's just not good enough. Fantastic. And that's really good information. I'm sure when you've worked out that deal, Matali, you, you'll be able to come back and share that with us. We're getting so much out of this conversation and we've been logically walking through this process of writing and creating a book. And in lots of ways, the writing process is actually the easy bit because I've known so many people put time, effort and you know all this creativity and energy into creating a book. They upload it to uh, Amazon or Ingram Spark and these different places. They hit publish and then nothing. You know, he just sits there with zero purchases and zero reviews. And this can be really disheartening because we've kind of come to assume that the next bit is actually down to the internet to just magically take care of. But if you put your book on something like Amazon, that people are just going to come and find it. And, and that isn't the case. So let me come to Katrina first on this one, because we, we, we were just talking about, you know, launch things and, and what you've done to actually get that book in front of people. So again, if you were using a traditional publisher, then they would probably handle all this. They'd be doing the advertising and the PR. They'd probably hold a book launch for you. So can I just ask, what, what did you do and, and what actually worked? Yeah, just on that, though, about the mainstream publishers, not necessarily people. That's a bit of a myth. If you're J.K. Rowling, uh, I was going to say Harry Robbins, God, Harold Robbins used to remember him. He what my teens were like. If you're those kind of big authors, yes, they will do loads and loads of publicity. But you can often be sucked particularly if it's a specialist book that you've done. They often don't, or they'll do the bare minimum. And nowadays as well, I'm sure Matalia will back me up here, the mainstream publishers are looking for people who have already got an audience who they know will buy from you. Um, and you're quite right, David. Writing the book is just the first part. And I often say this to authors because a lot of them, you know, because you can be very introverted if you want to be. You can be all shut away in your cave with your laptop doing your thing. And then you're like, oh, and that's it. But it's not. That's literally part one. Part two is the, the publicity and the marketing of it. So what I did with mine, and I was fortunate because this was 2015. I feel really sorry for anyone, you know, kind of writing and publishing in, during COVID. What I decided to have was three physical book launches. I had one in Sydney, which was at a bookstore, and it bucketed down with rain the night I had it. I was so frustrated. It absolutely tipped it down. And so I think I had 200 people were supposed to come, about 100 turned up. And people who were close by, some of them didn't show up, but I had people coming from like way up who did. And I remember these things. Um, but it was interesting. I actually chucked it down. But anyway, it was a really good night. It was fabulous. And then I had one in New York, 
which was at Candle Cafe, which was a vegan eatery. And David Duchovny turned up, Mulder in the X-Files. He didn't come specifically for my book launch, but he came to take away for his takeaway food. And he was like, oh, what's going on here? And so the owners said, oh, we've got a book launch. Introduce me. I'm like, oh, hello, David. And as he walked in, I remember thinking, Mulder's here. And so he came and hung out and had a drink. Of course, I got a photo with him. So that was a nice little bonus. And then my UK one, and this is interesting for people who are interested, who want to do this, who think, you know, maybe I don't want to have to organize a venue because that's quite stressful, I will say. Um, what you can do is if there's a, an event that's going on, you could use that as your official launch. So I contacted with VegFest UK and said, look, can I, you know, have a store, do a talk and we'll, we'll call this my UK launch. So it was good for me because I didn't have to prepare anything. And it was good for VegFest UK because they were able to say, hey, and the, you know, VegFest UK is hosting the UK launch of the first ever book on vegan business. So that's just a little tip for different ways that you can yeah, do it. So I did those three physical launches. Um, and then and it's been ongoing. I mean, I wrote my, my book came out seven years ago. I'm still making sales. It's an evergreen book, I'm pleased to say, even though some of the social media platforms might have changed, even that chapter on PR and marketing, it's still quite evergreen because it's about, you know, those kind of evergreen kind of strategies. Um, you know, I'm still making sales. People are still interested. It's still relevant. Not all the businesses are still in business. To be fair, some of them aren't, but you know, a lot of them still are. But it's a, a constant thing, and I still leverage it. Um, like sometimes a couple of people ask me to write endorsements for their book, and so I'll. And someone recently asked me if I would put in a good word for them for a fundraising thing, and I put Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, and former Forbes contributor, because I knew that those kind of credibility markers. Um, so I still leverage it, you know, to this day. Um, and um, so yeah, it's it's a constant thing, um, and so. I think if you've got an evergreen book like Natalie's is, you know, I think, uh, you know, I've read yours, there's nothing in there that I think will go out of date. Um, then, you know, that can, it can, you can leverage it and it can be so useful and you can just use it to, to open doors um, for years to come. But yeah, you've got to keep, you know, doing it. I sometimes get a little bit lapsed. But sometimes at Christmas, I might go, oh, look, you know, get some on this for Christmas kind of thing. But you can just, you know, you can put it on your LinkedIn profile and, you know, all of that to just, you know, it's there for, for good. And and I guess from my point of view, like you say, look, I wrote the first ever book of its kind. Now, of course, I know you and Lisa are writing a book, uh, you know, a couple of other people are writing vegan marketing books. But I can still say, you know, I wrote the first ever book of its kind. No one can take that away from me. Um, and just that's obviously a selfish thing. But as Mitali said, going forward, like, for example, if I died tomorrow, the book's still going to be sold on Amazon. Amazon will just stop giving me my royalties, but they'll keep selling it. So, you know, it means that, you know, it's left a kind of a little bit of a legacy kind of thing so um but yeah it, it's an ongoing thing the marketing of your book it's an ongoing thing absolutely brilliant and if anybody is looking to launch a book this year we we, we are doing tribe live down at the london olympia with veg fest and we're very open to people coming down and, and using that as a book launch absolutely brilliant idea and, and todd can i come to you with the same question so what promotions have you done do, do you do traditional book launches yourself uh i haven't yet and there's a reason for that. I was just, like I say, spinning too many plates. Uh, but it is such an important thing, especially as a self-publisher, you know, when you don't have that backing of a, a big established publishing house, is that um, I had to learn all of that. That was another skill I needed to take on. And so even when I was creating and writing the books, I started thinking, okay, I need to now uh, uh, develop and, and find my audience. So I set up a Facebook group, which I have about 4,000 people on, and I set up an Instagram page and I started trying to get my, my voice out there and creating um, a group 
that I could then also hopefully get. Also, I could bounce ideas off my group. Is this worth? Uh, do you think? Do you want to know about this? All those kind of things are really valuable. But definitely, promotion is is so important. I I think it's. I think like Katrina said, it's half the job is there. It's not just about putting a book out to the world because you could have the best book in the world and maybe nobody will find it because it's in the, you know the back pages of amazon where nobody scrolls that far so it really is about um finding a way to get it out there get the reviews get the algorithms and and noticing it especially you know the world's biggest bookseller is amazon so you you know you can't ignore that like you like you said earlier whatever you think of amazon it's vital to it to the establishment of the book. So it's about nurturing it, I say. So now that I've, I'm done creating it, that's my full-time job right now, is I want these books to have a life. I want them, you know, I feel proud of them. I feel they, you know, they have something to say. It's about finding, finding a way of promoting them. So um, like I say, I have my Facebook groups. Um, I did book promos originally on, on launch week. So I, I had a whole launch week where I wanted to get at least, um, I think it was 10 reviews that first week. So I could then maybe convert that into Amazon ads as well, because they don't really work unless you've got a few reviews and the books are kind of already causing a bit of a, a fuss. So I'd already sent out advanced copies saying, you know, uh, this first week, I would love it if you'd have a look. So I had, I, had, I had a review team. So to establish these books, I needed to have the reviews and that was vital. So I had all these strategies in place for my launch week uh, and I'm getting them on book promo sites, giving away eBooks, trying to get the reviews in so then I could do Amazon ads. And it's still now to this day. And now, of course, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get on more podcasting and get out there and introduce the books and what they're about. Um, so it's an ongoing thing. And Katrina, you're saying after seven years, it's still, you know, it's still something that's there. So I'm right now thinking this next year is about me establishing these books, giving them a life that I, that I think they deserve. So it's ongoing. Absolutely. Absolutely, Todd. And you just mentioned the idea of doing Amazon adverts there. Is, is that something that you've seen a return on? Yes. I mean, right now I'm still learning it, to be honest. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a science in a way. You know, it's click, you, you pay for clicks and you've got to decide on your keywords that might be relevant to your book that would draw people in. I'm not going for the really expensive because each keyword has a basically a price on it. So some of them are more expensive, like vegan, which might be a couple of dollars a click. I can't afford that necessarily every time someone clicks on my book. But then there might be another uh, phrase or keyword that I will research. So it's about doing that research, understanding Amazon ads. And, uh, and, and then it's about uh, doing testing. So uh, saying, okay, let's watch for the first two weeks. Does this convert into sales if people are clicking on that keyword? So it's a real, it's a, it's a lot to learn. And I'm just now getting my head around Amazon ads, but I've never lost money on them. I, even if I'm breaking even right now while I'm learning about which keywords work for my books, that's fine. I'm happy right now. And in the future, I'll fine tune it and I'll get to the stage where I know which keywords really work. And I know that they're, you know, more lower range or mid range keywords that are really expensive, but still convert into sales. Then I will obviously put a bit more money behind those. And this it'll evolve. Each book will have its own kind of keywords and an own kind of um, Amazon ad strategy. So that's something that's I'm, I'm currently doing and seeing which what what, what works and increasingly uh, more of a return is happening. So that's it's looking really promising. 
and that's really important information as well. That, yeah. That, yeah, thank you for that, Todd. Uh, Mitali, can I come to you on this one as well? Because we know that sales figures are not actually the most important metric when you're producing a book just to, you know, to raise your profile. But you still need to get that book into people's hands to prove that you are an expert. So how do you do that? Um, just uh, before I answer that, David, just to say uh, to Todd, if you get really, really, I'm sure you will get really, really good at Amazon adverts, you can have a side hustle as a, a vegan Amazon ad expert. I'll hire you, not a problem. So <laughs> you've you got go. a job there. Let me know. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> let me know. I'll happily hire you because that could be an extra thing that can add to <laughs> my publishing. I'm learning a lot right? about it. That's for sure. And it is a bit of a science. So <laughs> And I you're vegan, so obviously I'm going to have to hire you then. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's absolutely true, David. That's that's actually the the whole premise of my book. Um, what I said earlier, the the feedback I was getting from my audience is like, okay, but what do I do with a book? I have no idea what I would do with a book. So I interviewed seven of my previous clients who've leveraged their book to build huge businesses. Two of them now have seven figure um, brands. Um, and they just leverage the book. And it's so true. I think, Todd, you said that, that, you know, you can have a great book, but just stick it on Amazon expecting the world to stop turning. I mean, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Um, I've seen some really mediocre books. That's me being kind, by the way. They have done fantastic things for the author because the author believes in it and they leverage the hell out of it. And that's what it's all about. Sometimes it really is a case of it's not what you've got. It's what you do with it that counts. Um, now, should somebody do Amazon adverts? Again, it's different from, from one author to the next. I always say if you're thinking of writing a book, the first question to answer and the first question I ask anybody who works with me is what do you want the book to do for you? And then work backwards from that. If you work back from backwards from that question, you tend to find you don't have any more questions left to ask me because you kind of work out, you'll, you'll realize whether self-publishing or traditional publishing is the right way forward. You'll realize whether you, you know, what Todd is doing with his book is his book is essentially the business. So he wants to get that out to as big an audience as possible. Um, and that way he can make lots of money. And I'm sure you will. I actually need to read your books, by the way, Todd. It's on my list of things to do. Um, but that is one business model with a book. The other business model that I use, I think Katrina has been using to a certain extent as well, is that the book really isn't the business. We're not really all that bothered about making a huge amount of money from the book. In fact, the, the proceeds of my book go to charity anyway. I'm just not interested in making whatever pennies Amazon give me for each Kindle. My Kindle's only $1 or $2 at a time. So I can't make a lot of money from that in the first place. Where my money comes from is the raised credibility, the authority. People now know me in the industry as the person to go to if you want to self-publish a book, but you want the high standards of a traditional publisher, plus a completely vegan team, which also helps. So that's where I'm making the money from my programs, my services, my coaching, my mentoring, that's where the money comes from. And yeah, it's its just a case of working yourself back from that one question. What do you want the book to do for you? Is it the book you want to make money for you? Or is it the raised authority and the credibility you want to make more money in your business or your brand? Or both. Maybe you want both, but then you've just got twice as much work to do, twice as much leveraging to do. But if you answer that question, suddenly everything all the other questions that you've got, they start to get answered because you now you're thinking in the future and you're working your way back as opposed to what a lot of people do, which is just plow on forward. And then they end up somewhere that they never expected and thinking, how the hell did I get here? It's like, well, because you didn't think about the future. 
just to pick up on that point on credibility as well, because um, you can introduce yourself saying that you are an Amazon best-selling author, but there is a little bit of a trick to getting that, isn't there? Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> well, you have to remember this. You know, I get this. I get this a lot. At least once a month, someone say, "Oh, well, Amazon can be gamed." I say, "Well, yes, everything can be gamed." I mean, if you think about it, you know, when we when we used to have Christmas number ones, that was gamed. You know, um, the Oscars can be pump- gamed. I'm sure. <laughs> oh yes, even the New York Times bestseller, you can you can just buy. I mean, I, I heard that Tony Robbins just buys several tens of thousands of his books gets to number one bestseller and then sells it as rallies as a best-selling author. And it's like, yeah, but you're a best-selling author because you bought your own books. I can just buy 20,000 of my books and then I'm on, you know, the Sunday Times bestseller list. So is Amazon games? Yeah, it can be games because ultimately what you have to think about is which race do you want to put yourself in? If you put yourself into a category where you need to sell a thousand copies a day, that might be a little bit beyond you if you're fat, especially if it's a category where you've got celebrities or reality stars with their books in there. It's going to be difficult. You get yourself into a category where maybe you just have to sell 100 or even just 50 copies a day to get bestseller. It makes sense to be in that one. So some people have an issue with that and say, but isn't that gaming it? And so, but that's all races. All races are gamed to a certain extent. Um, I know record companies will release records depending on when other artists are releasing records, because they just say, oh, gosh, Rihanna's releasing a record. Well, there's no point competing with her. We'll release it the next Friday because then we can get number one. So that's something everyone's been doing for a long time, and there's no point beating yourself up about it. But trust me, saying I'm a bestseller, international bestseller, it still works. It still makes people go, yep, that's good. I did a similar thing. And like Natalia, uh, what you're talking about categories, I was a bit strategic and maybe I gamed it a bit because, you know, you can you can pick when you um, put your book on Amazon, a couple categories, but then you can also write to KDP and list yourself on, I think, eight other categories. So then you're on an expanded different category list, which is a really important thing to know, I think. So you're not just those two categories. And most of them were the main categories, but some of them were obscure little categories where I you know, I am also a best-selling author. Now, did I game it? I don't know, but it's it's a wonderful thing for your credibility to be able to say that and for each book to be able to, to know that they reached a, the best-seller rank in certain categories and often in several categories, if you do it right. I was just going to say on credibility, I think getting as well advanced praise. Um, also, if it's, it's a good thing. So I got Philip Wallen to write the foreword. Um, I've got Dale Bintz, a quote from him, Alexandra Paul, who's a vegan. So I think if you can get those endorsements, you can really leverage them. Obviously, if they themselves share it, it's awesome. So, you know, when Philip Wallen, he shared a couple of posts, uh, that's obviously great. But also, like, if you're if you are interviewing any experts as well, um, you know, often because they're excited and pleased to be in the book, so they will then um, promote it. So that can be quite an easy way to, to do, um, yeah, to add that credibility and to get more reach and more buzz and that third party credibility. So it's not just you saying, hey, I've got a book and it's fabulous. You've got all these other people saying, oh, book's great today. Absolutely fantastic. Right. 
I'm going to wrap up now with uh, one last question. And what I want to ask about is what you've actually learned. And Katrina, you kind of alluded to this earlier, that, that maybe you'd go back and do things differently now. So I, I want to know what, just very quickly, you know, what the process of writing a book has taught you and what advice you would go back and give to yourself now if you're going to be starting this all over again. And I'm especially interested in hearing Matali's answer to this because you've now built a whole business teaching people what you learned yourself. So if you could jump back in time and give yourself that one piece of advice for when you created uh, the Freedom Master Plan, what would that advice be? Um, I'm trying to do the gender non-specific version. I was going to say, you know, grow up hair, but, you know, what's what's the non, you know, you know what I mean. But yeah, I had a huge imposter syndrome, which people are, are amazed by because they just say, well, you've written seven books before. So what what made you feel that way? It's like, yes, but there's a reason why I was a ghostwriter, stroke copywriter. I was writing for other people and I quite like being in the background. I mean, you see this quite confident woman in front of you. If you you know, saw me just literally this time two years ago, I wouldn't even have agreed to come on something like this. I liked being in the background. Um, and then suddenly it happened to be in the foreground and me being my business, being the face of a business. It's not something I've ever experienced. So... I would just say, going back to what Katrina said, she made a really, really good point. And I, I, I talk about it in my book as well, how, you know, authority is a bit of a loop in that there's the assumption that you have to know, you do have to know something to write a book. But there's, a, there's this feeling that you have to be up here. You've got to be like, you know, your Tony Robbins or somebody or Grant Cardone or someone like that to write a book, to be worthy enough to write a book. But there's a flip side of it. You can write a book to get to that level. So it's your choice. And, that, you know, it's a loop. It, it depends on what you want to do. You can sit there and wait for authority. But the last time I checked, there isn't a, a governing body that gives you authority. It's something that you decide you have to get rid of your imposter syndrome and just say, I am good enough and just do it. And that will take that will give you the authority that you're looking for rather than waiting for it to come from somebody else. Um, and I waited too long. <laughs> I should have done this a long time ago. And then I went through it again, you know, last year, realizing that I really want to focus on vegan entrepreneurs. And now I'm just like, why the hell did I wait this long to do what my heart was telling me for a long, long time to do? So if you've got a book inside of you, just get off your bum and do it. Stop whinging about it. Stop telling people you're going to do it. Just do it. Yes. At, at that point on imposter syndrome, something I learned a long, long time ago is that everybody has imposter syndrome. So I now think that if everybody's got it, then it's a little bit of a game. So if I'm going to be an imposter, I'm going to be the goddamn best imposter I can be. <laughs> I, I, I would just out imposter everybody else. So, you know, absolutely. Everybody has that same imposter syndrome. And Katrina, can I ask the same question to you? So what would you do differently if you're going to jump back and create vegan ventures again? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Um, I think probably what Mitali said about um, having the strategy, like, so what Mitali teaches people is, what do you want your book to do? What's the purpose of writing it? Now, look, I will say I have no regrets because, you know, I'm going to do the whole Edith PF. Non, je ne regrette rien. But, um, you know, if, you know, if I were to do it again, if I were, if I were to go into write another book, um, I would do it 
somewhat different so and and that's what I was going to say Natalie said something about I wish I had done it sooner so what happened was when I wrote the book and I put it out there it'd been out for a few months and a good friend of mine said oh you should create a whole course a program how to start you know based on your book and I went oh I can't possibly do that I said I only know bits I know I know how to teach people how to get into the media and that's my thing I couldn't you know I didn't have the confidence to kind of do this thing and then a bit later someone said oh you should start a membership now of course David and Lisa have done that so I kind of I get that and I, I and I and the reason for that is I thought no I, I you know I thought I've done the book you know I'm comfortable with that I can go and do workshops and I can teach but to actually do a whole program or you know this this whole thing I I didn't so looking back I guess if I quote if I was going to regret I, I I would have done that part differently I would have leveraged I might not have even written that exact book though if I'd done that because then I would have just thought right these are the only skills that I know and on that other point that's right when Matali said about Tony Robbins Tony Robbins he's got obviously he's got a lot of knowledge that he's accrued on certain things but on some areas he goes and interviews people a lot of his books you know he's late he's got a new book out. he actually annoyed me I was listening to an interview with him today with Marie Forleo and it's a it sounds like a fabulous book but he kept referencing mice experiments on mice I'm going to put a comment on his on his post um but you know he's saying like there's a whole section on women's health he said I didn't write that he said I'm, I'm not going to go there this is written by you know amazing women so you're, you're quite right you can you know kind of be the authority you don't have to actually know everything but I guess what I, I might do differently now is kind of like right what kind of book do I want to do what's my reasoning for doing it and how do I want to use it and how can I leverage it to make a business because otherwise it does end up being a bit of a passion project which is nothing wrong with that if that's what you want but I would definitely have which is ironic and I'm just I'm saying it, I'm realizing how utterly ironic that is that I wrote the book vegan ventures start and grow an ethical business <laughs> but there you go I'm, I'm putting it out there, you know? <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. Hey, hey, and can I also say, we, we always get either a song or a dance. When we get Katrina Fox involved in these, so thank you for the little bit of <laughs> Edith Pierre there. Okay, and then, <laughs> and then finally, Todd. So uh, I don't know if you, if you want to sing your answer maybe, but what, what have you learned that you wish you could ju now jump back and do differently? I definitely won't make you listen to my singing, but um, there's so many things. I look at the, the physical books and there's, don't get me wrong, I'm proud and I, I've accomplished this over the last two years during COVID. I've, I've sort of reinvented and my whole life is uh, transformed, you know, but I can look at them and say, oh, I wish I'd do that different and this different. I can still pick them apart and I'm sure you can all relate to that. And, and I can see some of the mistakes I made along the way. But of a lot of it, it comes back to what Matali was saying, that a lot of it is belief in yourself. And sometimes I had too many voices, like when I recruited and I outsourced to various, and this is unfortunately before I found all the incredible um, experts with Vegan Business Tribe, I was outsourcing to people who all had so much to say. And sometimes I felt, well, I'm the, I'm, I'm the newbie here. I'm the new kid on the block. So I'd listen to them. And in the end, I wish I would have listened to my instinct when it came to big things like cover, even the uh, title. Um, I, you know, some of the original things that I came up with that actually made more sense. I wish I would have been stronger and had that belief in myself. I uh, always take, uh, you know, get as many people, but I, I think it's about finding the people you actually trust. And that, to be honest, came a little bit later in the game. And because of that, I made some tactical errors or um, I would do things differently. But I'm still, you know, wow, it's brought me here. Uh, it's been life changing. And um, and from there, you know, listening to um, everybody talk about leveraging and new things, there's other ideas I hope to, you know, from this point, uh, almost from the uh, authority I get from this, think about other things I can go forward with 
uh, this is my it's my foundation. Um, so it's it's yeah, lots of things I would learn. Some of it is I would uh, I would say a slow down to new authors. You know what I mean? You might have a projection of how quickly you can move, but there's going to be setbacks, and there's going to be if you have really high standards, or especially I'm a bit of a perfectionist, things take longer than you think. And uh, to keep your to keep your vision, keep true to your vision and belief in yourself. And a few times, that's when I let myself down. Is when I kind of lost sight of that. And thank you so much for those brilliant answers. Now, this has been an amazing session. I think we've probably learned a lot from each other today. So just to wrap up, I want to quickly go around the room just to thank our three experts, but also just to give you a chance to do a little bit of a promo yourself. So do you want to just tell us um, how people can learn more about what you do? Where, where can we find your books? And also what's next in the pipeline? So Todd, uh, let, let's, let's just stick with you first on this. So where can people find out more about you and what should they be looking out next for Rebel Vegan? Well, right now, I mean, I'm happy for anybody to get in touch. I would love that. Uh, I've got the website. It's Rebel. The whole brand name is Rebel Vegan Life. So there's a website, rebelveganlife.com. I've got that on Instagram, on Facebook, um, everywhere out there. Um, and and I, I do everything that comes in. I try to engage with everybody. I have questions about the books. I have questions even about publishing. I've had that as well. And I like to support, especially people in the community, in the vegan community. I think, you know, it's wonderful to be part of this community and to, to, to give back as well. Um, so there's hopefully easy to find me. Uh, you can find my books. This is my first book here. I don't have it on the wall. <laughs> so that's my logo. And that's the book cover I might change uh, very soon, but I'll, obviously I'll keep the title. So, um, and what coming next? I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm um, developing by going on podcasts like this. I'm learning from you, David, and from lots of people about, uh, and listening to podcasts, going on them, being a guest, thinking about what I want to do with my podcast to get my voice out there more. And then from there, I would love to do some speaking. I used to do lots of speaking uh, in other, um, with other jobs and uh, just uh, spread vegan values and, and you know, um, find find my way forward in this new new life I've taken on during COVID, basically. So we'll see how it goes. And that's why we're all doing what we do. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. You've been absolutely a brilliant guest. Thank um, you. Uh, and Mitali, if people think they might have a book ready to burst out of them, but they just need some help, <laughs> where, where, where can they go to find out more? Um, now we've got images of like, you know, alien-esque books coming out of people's <laughs> chests now. Thank you for that, David. I'm going to have that thought for the rest of the day. Um, well, I mean, the best advice I can give you is to actually go and read my book. I also, whenever say, whenever I meet anybody says, I'm not sure whether I should write a book, go and read my book. And I will say by the end of it, either you'll be itching to write a book or you'll say, oh gosh, that's not for me. Forget it. And at least you now know, at least you no longer have to torture yourself with the whole, am I or am I not going to write a book? So yeah, you can get the Freedom Master Plan on any Amazon platform, wherever you are in the world. Um, I'm going through an exciting rebrand at the moment. So my publishing company is called Let's Tell You Story. So my website is letstellystory.com, but I'm rebranding as the vegan publisher, uh, which is a lot easier to remember. Uh, and also, again, an, a yet another thing that's making me go, why the hell didn't I do this earlier? Why didn't I have this idea several years ago? Um, so that's really exciting. So in a few weeks, you can just put in the vegan publisher uh, on Google and you should be able to find me. Absolutely brilliant, Mitali. And again, thank you so much for joining us. And then finally, Katrina. Now, Katrina, you've got so many strings to your bow. So where, where can people go find out more about you? And what should we be looking out for next? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm actually looking to streamline some of what I do. 
Um, and sometimes people don't know what I do. I've actually had a couple of people say to me, what do you actually do? Because, you know, and that's a date. And I just want to put that out there to people because sometimes it can be easy to kind of get caught up in the kind of, oh, yeah, you're doing the speaking and you're doing this and you're putting yourself out there. And it feels kind of good. Do you know what I mean? But then it's kind of like, yeah, but is it actually bringing in income? And I don't know, maybe it's because I wear bling. Maybe people think I'm so wealthy. I just sit on my ass all day and don't need to earn a living. Well, I do. Um, so I think it's been clear what you do. So in fact, I'm actually, I've been um, doing some uh, sales copywriting um, programs and I'm, I'm quite fascinated with that. So I'm kind of going circling back towards my writing roots but adding like you know sales copywriting um you know blog writing content marketing writing and with my PR I think I'm probably going to be zoning in on personality so rather than say you know food brands or big brands actually going with individuals so whether that's authors so for example uh you know people who are experts and personalities and helping them to leverage you know particularly trying to you know leverage the right media and so on and to raise their profile um, you can find my book, Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business on any of the Amazon platforms. There's some other platforms it's on, it's on as well. Um, you can find it at veganbusinessmedia.com. You can buy the ebook directly from the website. If you want a paperback book, you have to go to Amazon or those other places. Um, you can also find me at katrinafox.com, like Natalie. I'm doing a little bit of an overhaul of both of those. And I also run Vivas, which Lisa's a member of, which is the Vegan Women's Network. But yeah, I'm trying to streamline things. So I'm still in the thinking sort of phase. But basically, yes, you can hire me for copywriting, content marketing, writing, and PR for personal brands. So there we go. I think that's it. As I said, so many strings to your bow. But you know what, I just want to pick up on what Mitali's and Mitali keeps saying, oh, I wish I'd done this sooner, I wish I'd done it. And I get it because I'm a bit like that. But I think, you know what, everything happens at the right time. Because if you'd done it earlier, you might, you know what I mean? We might have stuffed it up. And I think everything has come together. Everything we've done up to now has formed the perfect time for us to be doing what we're doing. So you're in the right time and the right place. And how super exciting that, you know, there's this amazing vegan publisher with Natalie's experience, even your background, you know, what a perfect background, your copywriting, your ghostwriting, you know, all of that. It's all filling in nicely. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting to see lots of vegan authors. And they may not be writing vegan books, but they're still vegan authors getting out there and getting in the media, you know, getting on there. Better to have us on there um, than than non-vegans or pre-vegans, as I like to generously call them. So, yeah, exciting times. But this has been great. Thanks for organising this, David. And that is the perfect line to end this on. So thank you so much, for that, Katrina. So that just leaves me to say thank you to Todd, Matali and Katrina. And I would recommend that you do go and seek out all their books and connect with them. And you might also be seeing, as it's been alluded to, maybe a book from Vegan Business Tribe this year too, you know. <laughs> you know so I've been taking down lots of notes myself, but I'll be taking away too. So thank you all for your time. This has been a fantastic session and hopefully we'll speak to you all again soon. And that was a brilliant session. I am sure you will agree. And just to echo Todd's comments about how important it is to be part of a community of people who are on the same mission as you are. And as Todd said, he picked up a lot of the professionals that he used on his books at Vegan Business Tribe. So if you want to find out what all the fuss is about, then head over to veganbusinesstribe.com where you can also sign up to be part of a tribe and just meet amazing people like the three people you've been listening to for this last hour. 
So that's it. And just a reminder that if you want to watch the video version of his panel, then you can find that on the website too, along with lots of other great content. And if you're currently writing your own book, then do reach out to us at Vegan Business Tribe because you don't have to do it on your own. We've got lots of members with a lot of experience who can help. So thank you for giving up your time to listen to this episode and make sure that you give us a like or maybe a five-star review if your podcast platform lets you do that. And if you know somebody who will find this episode especially useful, so somebody who's thinking about writing a book themselves, and please make sure that you share it with them. And I will see you on the next one. 